This presentation examines the question of how best to wage war on cancer. Cancer is a disease state in which a group of cells exhibits uncontrolled growth. If this growth continues, the resulting tumor has the potential to invade other adjacent tissues causing dysfunction and nutrient deprivation. In the most dangerous forms of cancer, the uncontrolled growth occurs in cells that do not adhere properly to each other. Individual cells break away from the growing mass and move within the body, setting up new foci of uncontrolled growth at various points throughout the body. We call this spreading, unfocused growth metastasis. Uncontrolled cell growth is the result of mutational changes, usually within a single progenitor cell. The newly mutant genes within the cell are either oncogenes that are now overexpressed or tumor suppressor genes that are now underexpressed. The point is that genes which used to control cell division properly are now dysfunctional. The result is that cell division is now out of control. What causes mutations to occur in genes that control cell division? A wide variety of causes exist. Along the electromagnetic spectrum, both ultraviolet light and the ionizing radiation of X-rays can cause gene structure changes that result in cancer. A wide variety of organic chemicals, most of them of human design, can react chemically with DNA, causing tumorigenic mutations. Even the enzymes that replicate DNA can make rare mistakes that result in mutations giving uncontrolled cell division. These mutagenic agents can cause changes in the DNA of a wide variety of genes within the human genome. But when they affect genes that control the rate of cell division, then cancer is often the result. We know of about 150 different genes in humans whose mutations can result in uncontrolled cell growth. About two-thirds of these are proto-oncogenes. The rest are tumor suppressor genes. But these genes are present in all human tissues except mature red blood cells which have lost their nuclei and thus their genes. Cancers get named for the sorts of tissues they arise in. Lymphomas occur in lymphocytes. Sarcomas start up in muscle cells. Melanomas begin in the melanocytes of the skin. Blastomas occur in the embryonic cells of a young child. So there are many ways of causing changes in these cell division causing genes and there are many resulting cancers that can be started from them.
So fighting the disease state called cancer amounts to fighting the mutations that cause it. Some harmful agent gains entry to our cell. There it causes a heritable change in the cell's DNA. The result of the change is altered amounts of some regulatory protein that induces the cell to begin dividing out of control. This process of cancer initiation, then, provides us with three different approaches or strategies for fighting mutations. The first strategy is to try to eliminate the forces that cause mutations in the first place. In some cases, if we can't eliminate the cause of mutations, we can decrease their intensity or frequency. For example, giving the chemical bisphenol A or BPA orally to rats has been shown to increase the frequency of breast cancers in these animals. Well, bisphenol A is used to coat the insides of cans and plastic bottles in our food industry. So one way to fight mammary cancers in women may be to decrease the use of BPA in the production of can and plastic bottle linings in the food industry. A second strategy is to try to replace a mutant control gene affecting cell division with a new one. Here we need to know the normal gene sequence we must clone the normal version of the gene. That is, we must make many copies of it in a bacterium or by using a gene machine. We must then use a modified virus or some other vector to take the normal genes into the cells containing the mutant cancer genes. All of this is doable and has been done. The challenge is to find and destroy the mutant copy of the gene or to keep it from being expressed. And ways of doing this are currently under study. The result is that the mutation is effectively reversed and the cell's genetic information is restored to normal. Another approach is to go into the mutant gene directly and correct its base sequence, restoring its original base sequence. This is trickier but enzymes have always existed with the capability of doing this. It's just that we have to find the mutant gene within the nucleus of the cell. A third strategy is to reverse or inhibit the expression of the gene that is now mutant. Just leave it there, but stop it from working. This strategy includes many different approaches. We can try adding genes that code for proteins that will bind with regulatory signal proteins, reducing their level and returning the cell to a more normal, responsive division rate. Or what we've done conventionally is to simply destroy the cells in which the mutant gene has arisen. This is done with focused high-energy radiation or with lethal chemicals or with antibodies that recognize cancer cells. So, we've looked at reducing mutation frequency, correcting mutations, 
and destruction of mutant cells. Which of these three approaches to fighting mutations is the most effective? Your tax dollars go to the National Cancer Institute. Where should NCI spend most of its money? Scientists who favor the mutation rate reduction approach like to point out that their approach seems most simple and straightforward. They're trying to separate people from mutation sources. Then there's no cancer. This approach is preventive, and usually prevention is better than the cure. A person's cells never even get the chance to become mutant. Also, it's probably going to be cheaper because the other approaches involve a lot of expensive molecular techniques. And besides, reducing mutation rates helps prevent many other genetic problems besides just cancer. But scientists not pursuing mutation reduction also have their reasons for not going that way. For one thing, the approach seems a bit fanatical. Most of the mutations that occur in nature don't cause cancer anyway. It's probably more efficient to just let the rare cancer event occur and then step in and fix it. Then too, some cancers originate within the person. You can get people away from ultraviolet rays of light, but you can't stop DNA handling enzymes like DNA polymerases from making occasional errors in copying a person's DNA right inside their own body. And finally, while developing preventive approaches is far cheaper than the corrective approaches, that's not the whole story. Implementing preventive approaches can be far more expensive. For example, finding a replacement for the chemical BPA may not be that expensive, but retooling the entire food industry could cost a fortune. Many scientists favor the mutation correction approach, or what might be called gene therapy. They like to point out that it directly and efficiently addresses the problem. Mutations have many causes. Just go to where one has occurred and fix it. Much of the technology has already been worked out. A huge breakthrough in switching gene function on and off is just now occurring. This correction approach is a highly selective therapy. You fix only the cells that are aberrant. You don't have the traditional chemotherapy problem that makes your hair fall out. And finally, gene therapy addresses the root cause of the cancer. The problem is fixed at the gene level. All related subsequent problems are fixed automatically. But many scientists balk at the idea of doing gene therapy. They point out that this approach is technically difficult to implement in a whole organism. What if you miss a few cells that fail to get corrected? 
It's also well known that current approaches to gene therapy lack specificity. What if the good gene that you want to put into your aberrant cell goes into the wrong place in the genome? We can be causing new problems while we're solving existing ones. And finally, too many oncogenes are not that well studied or manipulable. Different cancer genes are going to require different vector modifications. Progress will have to be made on a wide multiplicity of fronts. This could get very expensive. Many scientists favor the third approach to fighting cancer, the elimination of mutant cells or their aberrant functions. These workers argue that their approach is more conservative fiscally than trying to prevent exposure to every mutagen known to man. Traditional approaches to killing cancer cells are now becoming far more specific. We use antibodies against tumor cells. We've learned how to genetically modify the killer lymphocytes in a patient's own body so that they will attack his own cancer cells. These approaches are less expensive in the area of research than the advanced techniques required to replace faulty genes. But scientists not enamored with this approach have their reasons for abandoning it. What about cells that are irreplaceable? like neurons. You can't just kill them if they become cancerous. Then too, cancer cells mutate as they grow. This frustrates many of our attempts to specifically attack existing cancer cells. We already know that existing approaches to killing cancer cells severely reduce the quality of life of the cancer patient. And finally, Elimination therapies are like stamping out fires. Getting at the root cause of the illness will probably be better in the long run. We have looked at three different approaches to reducing mutations or correcting their effects. Clearly each of these approaches has advantages and disadvantages. All three approaches are currently being pursued. The challenge for new researchers entering the field is to evaluate the advantages and disadvantages of each approach. Which advantages are greater? Which are more permanent? Which are more attainable, more applicable, more promising, more costly? Which disadvantages are more specific? Which are more challenging for research? Which disadvantages are more emotionally challenging for the patient or more ethically challenging? In comparing and evaluating individual advantages and disadvantages, each fund-granting agency determines where it will spend its precious dollars. The question is, how would you spend those dollars?